Hey, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Frank's Unsolicited Advice. And today we are going to discuss the bigger picture. But it's special to me because I actually have the woman that I've discussed the bigger picture with many, many times. Not only that, it's the first recording that I'm doing of my episode on webinar and live streaming on Facebook. So I hope a lot of people join in. I did put the link in. So if you wanted to be a panelist on the webinar, you could and view it on Zoom. However, I ask that you hold all your questions until the end if you're going to have questions or, you know, just mute your stuff until the end. So um, I'm very excited because it's been a while. My mother for like last time I saw my mom, my dad physically was in February of 2020 before the pandemic really, really hit. Um, we was in Florida for my cousin's surgery. So it was a family coming together to support him in a time of need. And then we all went our separate ways and the pandemic hit and they went back to New York and then came back to Florida. And um, it just made it very difficult for all of us to get together. So after a year of being apart, my mom decided to go to New York, visit my sister, and then she's been here for two weeks. So when she said she was coming, I said, you know what? The best thing I can do um, is to get her on and discuss what she calls the bigger picture, a book that I think she should write. And we're going we're gonna to go to the beginning of, of, of her life and to get to where the bigger picture is. And the backdrop that you see on the green screen, it's the old house we grew up in, the house they bought when I was two years old, a house that... Uh, was many memories for many, many people uh, growing up. Um, I, I can't recall a family member that was close to that didn't live with us at one point or another in this house. So uh, without further ado, let me introduce my mother, Lillian. Hi, uh, good afternoon. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here with my son. He is one of the bigger picture. <laughs> and making reference to, you know, my my beginnings, my... Early childhood, well, I, I, have my, I had my mother, Candida Emilia Ruiz, and my father, Pablo Antonio Torres. Uh, my parents uh, separated. I uh, was six years old, and I was raised by my mother. And I always tell people that God doesn't make any mistakes because in anticipation of what he knew I was going to deal with in my life, she gave me my number one bigger picture, the mother that raised me and made out of, out of me the woman that I am today. Uh, I grew up in Puerto Rico. I was born in Ponce, Puerto Rico. I grew up in Aguadilla in a very poor neighborhood with beautiful people. They were not doctors. They were not lawyers probably, but they certainly were great human beings, good neighbors, we used to share, we used to play together, and sometimes there were some gossips too. Um, my mother was a librarian. Uh, she worked for the government of Puerto Rico. An educator, she always instilled on us um, the importance of getting an education and trying to make of ourselves a better individuals for the good of us and for the good of others as well. Um, so with, with that being said, I grew up among books, uh, my mother used to make us read books all the time. I learned a lot about the culture of Puerto Rico. I learned about the poetry. I learned about literature because that's what my mother did because she believed in education, and I do so too. Um, the bigger picture. Well, 
the bigger picture to me is that that's something that makes a difference even in the most difficult and darker situations. So every time that I am in a situation and I have to choose what is the bigger picture? What should I be concentrating on and paying attention and spending my time with? Because there are things that may affect us in different ways, but they're not the bigger picture. So the bigger picture right now is that my son has given me the opportunity to share this moment with him, hoping that we can say something that could be constructive or sharing with you our personal experience together and among the family members. As a professional, I use the term, the bigger picture, many, many times because I was a social worker for 36 years. Um, I have a certification in crisis response. I dealt with so many, many difficult situations in life. And I many times I have to look at that bigger picture, even when supposedly, you know, I had the skills and I had the knowledge and the education. But there is a time that you have to stop and think about what is the bigger picture. Any other questions? No. So, but you answered a lot of the questions I was going to ask you. So, but you covered how you, you know, where you grew up. So your profession, um, when did you start being a social worker? So I I came um, to New York. I graduated from the University of Puerto Rico with a bachelor's degree in psychology. And uh, I got very sick while I was doing my bachelor's degree. My mother didn't have money for me to see a specialist, but my uh, paternal grandparents, they were affluent, and my mother got in contact with them, and my grandmother says, well, send her over, I'm going to take her to see um, a specialist, and it was just exhaustion from working and, and going to school, and I decided to come to New York uh, to meet with my husband, Frankie's father. Um, at that time, we were separated, but we did I decided to come to New York to meet with him and also to meet one of my uh, uncles. And so I started working, and one day, you know, while I was working, uh, I realized that I love working with people, that I love being of service, that I love advocating for others, people's rights. And, uh, and sitting one day in my office at St. Dominic's Home for Children, I said, I'm going to do my master's degree. And I got accepted to Fordham University, which was great because they allowed me to work and also to go to school. And I did my master, and that's how I became a social worker. Okay. So, and then you went, so how long were you in the Board of Education? I worked for 25 years at the Board of Education. Okay. Now, growing up, uh, family orientation was big. Values were big in our household. Um, and we, you always taught us to, to treat people, respect, be kind, mm-hmm. um, like turn the other cheek in a sense when, when things don't go the way we want. How do you feel looking at the picture 2692, right? Let's, because we talk about the bigger picture. So let's put that in perspective. Mm-hmm. What does 2692 mean to you in, in respect now and even kind of comparing to the bigger picture? Yes. Well, first of all, uh, 2692 Creston Avenue 
was more than a house. It was not only walls and beams and concrete. It was a home. And it was a home to my loved ones, and it was a home for anyone to knock on my door and needed some kind of interventions or services. Um, my house was never empty. My house was always with people around. On Sunday, we used to, the family used to gather together, and not only the family, friends as well. Frankie's friends, I'm in contact with all of them, and some of them call me ma. Maribeli's friends as well. I'm still in contact with them. I welcome, I try to make out of my home a, a, a place where people felt welcome. Okay, and I opened that door, not, not, I opened my doors and the doors of my heart to anyone who needed something, even someone to listen to them. Um, so the bigger picture, well, I'm gonna tell you what the bigger picture when it comes to the house, that, that house was in bad conditions at one point. And Francisco and I, we didn't have the financial means to fix the house. and. Sometimes it makes me feel sad because I wanted to fix my house. But the bigger picture was that it was not the way that the house looked or the house presentation per se. It was the fact that even though it was not probably in the best condition, the bigger picture is and was that we had a home for our children. My children had the opportunity to walk around, play, go to the to the backyard or the front yard. They had the opportunity to interact with other children in the neighborhood. And God bless me with the opportunity to welcome many people in my home, even though my, it was not in the best condition at the time. So we, at work, I've mentioned the bigger picture. And somebody said that it's probably, um, it's more like your the why, right? Your your the why you do things. And I said the bigger picture could be anything. It could be your children. It could be your your, your husband, your loved ones. Um, you often talk about healing and, and, and um, spiritually being right and then also emotionally being right mentally. How important is it for you, in your opinion, as a professional, as a mother, as a Christian, as a woman that's always preached love over everything, to have healing, how a person should have healing and things like that. How do you feel about that? Okay. Well, I think healing is something very uh, special, and I think it's a process. I think that sometimes healing takes time, or it might happen in a couple of minutes or in an hour. It depends, right? So so let, let me, maybe if I'll give you a couple of examples, I can explain myself better. Mm. So the human being is very unique and very complex. As, as, at the same time. And we all experience different situations. Some might be similar, however, the reaction not necessarily has to be the same. Mm-hmm. And that's where the uniqueness comes from. And I, I, I embrace uniqueness. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if we would look the same? No, yeah. it's not happening. Look at me and my son right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a student once, he was uh, an adolescent, uh, a male adolescent, and I was seeing him for two years. And um, and I felt that I was not really moving forward with this young man, that the sessions were not going the way that I wanted. 
And as a therapist, it was not about me. It had to be about my client and my, about my student, his well-being, how he was feeling, if he was making progress. So I proposed to him to make a, a change that maybe a male counselor or another counselor, it will be a little different for him. Mm -hmm. And he really looked at me and says, really, Mrs. Torres? Really? I said, well, let's call him David for the purpose of this conversation. I said, well, David, you know, I just want the best for you, and I don't feel that I am fulfilling uh, what you need, you know? And he said to me, you know something, Mrs. Torres? Please don't tell me that, because you have been listening for two years, the bigger picture. Mm. What he needed was somebody to listen to him, and he felt that I was listening no, that, that's the bigger picture. The bigger picture is what, what, what you choose be, between what could be righteous and what could be evil. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations that are very difficult. Mm -hmm. Okay? And you have to look at that situation. And even if it's a situation that is not the best... You have to say, what is the bigger picture? What can I make out of this situation? What can I learn? And once you are learning and making changes, you're entering into the bigger picture. Because it's, a, it's, it's about, it's about a so, the social-emotional development that an individual needs to be healthy. And what that means, it, we need to be mature, we need to be responsible, we need to be respectful, we have to have dignity, and we have to be maybe sometimes a service to help others as mm -hmm. well, you know, and self-control and respect. Well, I'm a foreign believer that even if you don't give me the respect that I deserve, I'm going to give it to you because I cannot do nothing different. I have so much respect for me that even if you don't give me the respect, I'm going to give it to you because that's who I am. And I'm not going to change who I am for somebody who has chosen not to be respectful. That's the bigger picture. You know? No, no. So, okay. Um, let's go back a little bit. So, speaking of grandma raising you and five siblings, how do you feel her impact was in your life? Coming with not because you didn't create the term, you know, bigger picture, but in, in the term of you using it, how did she what was her influence in that view of yours? You know, when when you describe it, grandma's teachings. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel that my mother was an inspiration in everything that I did because she was a very hardworking woman. She had six children. My father abandoned her when I was six years old. And my youngest sister, who is a professor at level college mathematics, I was two months old, and we were six children, and she was working for the government of Puerto Rico, and at that time, my mother was making $800 a month. And with $800 a month, my mother had to pay rent, and provide food, and provide shelter, and provide clothing, and many other things that she did. She was a fighter, a believer, a woman who probably Listen, I saw my mother crying a few times, and I was so young that I couldn't understand. And as, as I was getting older and more mature and responsible, I realized that she, she was a human being. 
and that she has feelings and that she had difficult moments. And of course, the tears showed up, but she was able to overcome all of that to do what she needed to do. And two or three days before she died, that I had a conversation with my mother and I said, mom, you know that uh, you're, you're dying. And she looked at me and she said these words. She says, Lillian, I came to this world to fulfill a purpose and I did. I raised six children and I'm ready to leave. And guess what? There is angels waiting for me in heaven. And that mansion that I always wanted and she was making reference to a house that she never had, I will have in, in heaven. I have a mansion up there. So my mother was a strong woman. It, it, um, it, she used to help people as well. She used to, I would say that my mother was a community leader at the, at the time. And uh, a, a, a woman of principle, of values, of self-respect, righteous, a virtuous woman. That's how I describe my mother. So, and, and I was lucky enough to, to grow up and see her. I was telling, we was watching um, Fatherhood with Ava. And I was thinking about um, because he, you know, he in the movie Father, he loses his wife and he has his daughter and he has his mother there and stuff like that. And that's one thing I remember about uh, having her around when I was coming up was that if when Sharice was born, me being a teen parent and I remember Sharice was staying with us. She was like a couple of weeks, maybe a month old. And, you know, Serena left her with us and I was getting up for the school. She would get up at night crying. So I would get up with her and my grandmother would get up and take her, you know, and say, you got to go to school. And so I want you to rest. And she would take care. So that's another example of the bigger picture. Josie wrote in the comments, 31 years ago, when I was only 17, you made me see the bigger picture. And for that, I will be forever thankful. Thank you, Josie. I appreciate that. Yes. She's been watching the whole time. So, um, and anybody that knows me, right. Um, and, and, and when I talk about my family, I talk about my mother, I talk about my parents, my household. And I always tell people, we're not big. It's not a big family. You know, it's not like I got 30,000 cousins and 20,000 aunts and uncles. No, it's, it's very small. We're very tight-knit. Um, growing up, we spent a lot of time together. Uh, we was always at each other's houses. Uh, we didn't grow up rich. You know, we, we grew up poor. Um, but I always, I would say I had more than others, even though we was, you know, not rich, but it was just because my parents worked and they did what they had to do. We had our necessities. I would say that we had our needs met and when we was able to have our wants, we had them, but we, for the most part, we had the necessity. And because we had a strong connection with our family, we didn't really see the struggles that you normally see because we had each other as outlets, you know, we, we would spend time together and stuff like that. Um, to to, and I've always talked to people about your kindness and how you always tend to always be yourself. One thing that I admire about you is that no matter how many times people can, you know, uh, not treat you right, friends betray your trust, family members your loyalty, and yet you always like turn the other cheek and you still continue to be yourself with the next person, not allowing yourself to or that person to not be able to enjoy who. You are as Lillian. Thank you. So what, where did, how did, how do you manage to do that in a world where people consistently are getting hurt, um, you know, uh, uh, and to protect themselves, they change who they are. They stop being kind. How did you manage to continuously, um, 
you know, do that and, and, and be able to, to, to be yourself. There is a bigger, more bigger than the bigger picture that I just described, and I follow him. He, Jesus Christ, has helped me to forgive, to reinvent the story all over if I have to. I believe in his love, I believe in his power, I believe in his sacrifice, and that has influenced me in many, many ways. I also, like I said, my mother had a very important in, in influence on my life, and she still does uh, to this day. Um, but also my life experiences. You know, I always tell people that I have been a very lucky woman, or a very blessed woman, better to say, because I chose a career that became the core in my life. Because besides being a social worker, I was a server. I was servicing people, and I did it from the bottom of my heart. And yes, I kept myself abreast of what was going on in the social work field, um, therapies, um, new approaches, DSM-4, DSM-5, everything that I needed, behavior applied analysis, everything that I needed to bring any kind of changes to the children that I was servicing. But what really made the difference was that I put my heart into what I was doing. So what is the bigger picture? The bigger picture is that even though if you have a, a, di a difference between your brother and your sister, at the end of the day, that's your br brother and sister. And if your brother and sister is in need, the bigger picture will be to put whatever differences aside and go and attend to your brother because he's in need, okay? The bigger picture is to listen to somebody. I had an experience recently in my granddaughter's, youngest granddaughter's birthday, Amarilis, and this young lady went into the house to use the bathroom, and we engaged in a conversation, and she t told me that she was very concerned because she suspecting that she has breast cancer. God gave me the opportunity to speak to this young lady because I share with her my own personal experience because I am a breast cancer survivor. And I felt in my heart like I needed to say something to her. And when she, we, when we ended the conversation, she said to me, for some reason, I have to come to this house and use the bathroom. So you know what is the bigger picture? That God gave me the opportunity to address this young lady who was in distress and very confused. And I just advised her to go for a second opinion. And that's what I felt in my heart. So the, the bigger picture is to show compassion. The bigger picture is to help somebody who is in need. It doesn't matter if you know or, or you don't know this person, how many people I have addressed in malls and, and, and store, ma'am, do you need anything? Man, are you okay? That's the bigger picture. The, this is the bigger picture that I'm here sitting down with my son and God is giving me the opportunity to embrace this moment and share this with you guys. So that thing that is more important is the bigger picture. What is important in this picture that I'm looking at, in this situation that I'm looking at? Is it my anger or is it my love? What is more powerful? And I believe love is more powerful. And, and don't, don't get me wrong. We get angry. We get upset. We're humans. But then we need to control ourselves. And one way of controlling ourselves is saying, you know what? What's really the bigger picture here? 
So I'll go ahead and entertain these uh, back and forth argument that is not going to take me anywhere. Or should I maybe change my tone and calm down and say, you know, I would love to have a conversation with you. Maybe this is not the right time. But looking for the bigger picture because guess what? Maybe the person that you're having the argument with is somebody who is very important in your life. And sometimes we can say things, I'm guilty, that we cannot take back and we can regret. But if we learn to look at the bigger picture and control ourselves and value what is really important, maybe we can start, we can change the atmosphere to something better. So in, in 2001, we, we, not only did September 11 happen and then September 12th, the wedding passed away. Then in October of 13, you lost your mom, uh, a long battle with diabetes and, and in and out of the hospital. Yeah, he died in September 11. My mother died on October 11. Yeah, and then I had an accident in November. So when we talk about the bigger picture, and I, and I tell people about uh, the story, when you tell the story, how you receive the news and stuff, um, but it, the reason I want you to recap it and retouch it is because a lot of, I feel a lot of parents or people go through emotional uh, situations with their children or, or in their life and sometimes don't know how to deal with it, you know, or are dealing with it right now. And I feel that in 2001 with the, you know, through everything passing away, grandma passing, and then me almost, you know, passing away. Um, you, I feel that you found yourself in a very uh, emotional uh, mentally, emotionally uh, distressed time because there was so many things coming at you at one time. So if you can, as a mother, from the mother's perspective, how did you feel? First off, uh, um, losing Tio who was, you know, Tiansa's husband for many years, my godfather, uh, you've known him for a long time, and then your own mother, Abuela, and then to have your son. If you could walk us through that to, to show the the... Because you said it earlier, we all battle with our own emotions. We all have our own issues. We, um, we, nobody's human. Everybody's human. Nobody's perfect. So mm-hmm. we're gonna have our own battles. But it's uh, focusing on the bigger picture. So I think that it'll be wonderful if you can describe how, in in the midst of that chaos and that dark cloud, you found strength to you know focus on the bigger picture. Uh, well, uh, compadre Edwin. Um was sick and to some extent we were kind of expecting that anything could happen but it was surprising because um, my sister-in-law Elsa and I we were in the hospital the night before they were going to do transfusion with him and it was around one o'clock in the morning already and he said no 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 you you guys go home it's kind of late and by seven o'clock seven thirty I was getting a phone call from Mimi that um, brain dead and um, at the same time that I'm receiving this news you know and I'm driving to go to Montefiore Hospital in New York I learned that the Twin Towers collapsed and there was really it was very chaotic everybody's running I got to the hospital doctors are running nurses it, it was really really bad and the traffic was hectic uh, you couldn't communicate on your cell phone. It was, it was really bad. So with Compare, we, um, so we went through the process. You know, um, it was painful. We grieved. We did what we needed to do. 
and then come my mom. I, and I couldn't go to the, the, the Compadre Edwin's funeral to Puerto Rico because I knew my mother uh, was passing soon. So I stood behind and stayed behind, and, uh, and, and then I was on the phone with the doctor, uh, and the doctor told me, your mother just passed, and, and even though she was sick for seven years, and we, the night before, we, the family was there. So, so what gives me the strength? Num, num, number one, I believe in God, and he gives me the strength, and I, I trust him. And number two, I have a lovely family. I have good friends everywhere. And my family made a presence, and it was there for me, you know, and for my, for my children and everybody else. And also what gave me the strength was that I had that opportunity, like I mentioned before, three days before my mother died, to know that she believed in God. And I know that one day, I'm going to meet with my mother. Like I said to her in Spanish, esto no es un adios sino un hasta luego. Because I know one day I'm going to see her. And I also think that my professional training in crisis response really helped me a lot. Um, but I like to reflect. I like to meditate. I like to read the, the word. Um, and I like to ask God for guidance. I just, uh, my sister just came out of surgery, she's in intensive care, and um, and I wake up around 3.33 in the morning, and I said, oh wow, it's 3.33, and you guys might be wondering, why do you say, why, why 3.33? Because in Jeremiah, 3.33 says that if you call God, he will answer to you, and he will show you things that you don't even know yet, okay? And I and I, I was praying for my sister, and everybody else is praying. And even though the surgery was was difficult and she was compromised during the surgery, she's okay. She's in intensive care right now. And I'm talking to you guys, and it doesn't mean that I'm not worried or concerned about my, my sister. I am. But I, she's in good hands right now. And that's how I have learned, you know, meditating, praying, so getting the support from my family, calling somebody if I need help, and uh, and believing, believing, I I I believe, I believe. So that's grandma. So now, take me or take them through when you when I was in the hospital because I feel that that now that's you know a little bit more close to home. You can fix the mic if you want. So I I don't know a lot about sport but is it touchdown what you guys said <laughs> touchdown well i honestly i touched down all the way down all the way down i was i was in pain uh, i was in pain beyond my own self i to this day i really don't have words to describe it uh, i got the phone call from the mother of one of Frankie's um, friend, and they used to share an apartment. It was a group of young people sharing an apartment, and her mother called me, and 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 she was very polite and friendly, and she said, "Oh, Lillian, how you doing? I I'm sorry that I didn't call you for your mom." Uh, uh, I said, "No, no, don't worry. I, I received a postcard from you, and uh, 
and I know that everybody's busy. And then she says, so, so how are you doing? Huh? How are you holding on to, you know, your mother passing and your brother-in-law? And I said, well, honey, I, I am trusting God. I'm holding onto his hand and by faith I'm doing this. And, and this is when things began to change. And I knew that what she was about to tell me was not good because the only connection that I had with this fine young lady uh, was her daughter and my son. And she says, well, I need for you to hold on to your face because there's something that I have to tell you. And when she said that to me, my body was completely shaking. My tears were coming down. And I remember that I said, what do you have to tell me? And she said, can I say it? Yeah, go ahead. And she said, Frank, Frank got shot. And when she said that, I fainted. When I wake up, I was in my couch in the living room. And my good friend, uh, Ramona Jones, rest in peace, was in the house. Uh, my daughter, Marie Belize, was going crazy crying. And my husband was crying on the phone. And... Uh, and we took it from there. Uh, my brother came to the house. Uh, my brother is a pastor. And uh, and we, we left because I couldn't find tickets that were too expensive. So we got in the car and we kept running to Virginia. And when we got to Virginia, um, there was a, a sacerdote, a priest, and um, a lieutenant, the Navy, Lieutenant Rodriguez. Yeah, he was, yeah. A, a lieutenant for, from the Navy. A, waiting for us. And when, when I saw the priest, I said, oh my God. And I I almost fainted again, thinking that they were just there because the worst happened, you know? But no, thank God, you know, um, Frankie was long, long hours on surgery and uh, they took her to a special room and my the priest and my, my, my brother, uh, they were praying, we were praying together and then a nurse came and she said, well, he's in recovery room and we gonna uh, fix it and, and bring them down and you guys will be able to see. When I went in, my husband went first because I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't, I was emotionally in distress, you know. And, um, and when he came back, I remember he came back and he said, Lillian, you need to be strong. You need to be strong. And he was right, I needed to be strong. And I said, and I'm gonna be strong. So I walk into that room and I walk, when I saw my precious, handsome, the second man, the second man, most handsome in this world is actually my son, the first one is my husband. So when I saw him, I said, no, this is not happening. My heart was racing and my tears were coming down. But I, 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 I knew in my heart that I needed to be there for him. He needed me. If he ever need me, that was the time that he needed me. So, you know, two days after that, uh, the doctors came and spoke to us and they showed us um, uh, the long x-rays and they, his lungs collapsed and he was in really bad shape. And he, I remember he said, he, you know, science has done everything possible now. Now we need a miracle. And at that point, I told my family that I, that I needed to pray. So I looked for for the chapel in the church, and I remember that a very good friend of Frankie followed me, and she sat in the back, and I went to the front. And I really don't know how long I was there praying and crying. And finally, I look up, and I said, Lord, I want to ask you for forgiveness. 
please forgive me because in the middle of this I completely forgot that you are God and that you you have the control of everything and I'm going to tell you something Lord I am not going to ask you anything for my son I'm going to surrender my son and you're going to do with him what you think is best for him but please please lift me up because I am dying with him and the miracle began okay the miracle began I I can go on with the story but I'm going to tell you that God answered those prayers and I got even from my nephew who was nine years old when they were going to move him from one hospital to the other and they were going to put him in a hospital ambulance and I wanted to be there and I was crying my nephew who was nine years old at the time says Titi why are you crying I said daddy because there's certain things in life that are very painful and I'm, I'm pain right now and he said well don't be because I see a bunch of angels around him right now protecting him so that's a bigger picture that in, in the middle of my darkness I was able to reach out for my almighty powerful God okay what is the bigger picture that I got consolation consoled from a nine-year-old I even got it from a stranger I never saw and she asked me can I pray for you I I know that you have had some very sick in the hospital I said oh wow what 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 this woman what does she knows <laughs> you know but that's the bigger picture and and God God did it and he did it. He, frankly, is very strong, and uh, he put a lot of effort in his preparation, you know. And again, I received support from so many people, even from a guy in Puerto Rico who is an pneumologist, pneumologist, a doctor, and he's a good friend of my my sister. And he went to the cathedral in San Juan, and he says, God, I don't know his name, but you know, you know, Julia's nephew. <laughs> Please, Lord, God, do what you have to do for him. So that's a bigger picture, that people get together to help each other, to support each other, to love each other, to laugh with each other, to understand each other, to show compassion for each other, not to judge, because we're very prone to judge. I'm guilty. We're prone to judge. We need more understanding and more compassion. We live in a world that is cold. It's getting colder because people are not showing love and compassion. We're so embedded in so many other things that I'm not taking uh, importance out of them, but they are not really the bigger picture. So, so there you go. That's that's very uh, <laughs> well. I wanted her to talk about it because. Um, I, you know, I can tell the story, but it's not the same if, as if she tells it. Um, when I speak about my life experiences, I always based it off what I saw growing up, what I, what I experienced in my household, what I saw in Brook Avenue, what I saw in, in with the things that you guys couldn't shelter us from because we had to go out into the world and see it anyways. So, um, marriage. You've been married to Papi for 42 years, uh, going on 43 uh, you dated for five years. Um, he's 15 years older than you. Um, have a good day. Um, so for a lot of us, relationships in today's society, in my opinion, people don't fight anymore for for it to work. You know, a lot of us, 
uh, we're like, oh, well, I could find another one, or you know what, you can leave, and you know, you got the J Lo's of the world that like to have a thousand husbands and fiancés and stuff. They collect rings like Thanos. Um, so to to go into that, right? Because I think that's another aspect of the bigger picture. How you know, forty forty almost forty three years married. I mean, I, I turned forty three. I've turned forty two in September, and then in December, you guys are forty three years married. Uh, let's talk talk about that a little bit. Well, um, marriage. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, my husband and I have been together between married and 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 dating for about forty five or six years already. It wasn't easy because, um, um, again, uh, we're very prone to judge. Uh, we live in a society that actually. Um, I I think that well I, I don't think so much on these days but back on the days there were certain expectations and and if you were not willing to meet those expectations you were wrong now I think people are more open minded and I'm welcoming many other things that I consider very important as well so because he was 15 years older than me and he was divorced and he has a child already uh my mother, no, he's not good for my daughter. That, that was her position. However, he was a friend of the family because his parents were my mother's compadre, and we were neighbors. So it was difficult, and I'm going to tell you why it was difficult. Because I, I felt that I was between him and my mother. You know, I, it was a very difficult situation to choose. But... Because of because of the values that my mother instilled in me, I end up making a decision that I think, even though she didn't recognize it, she had a lot to do with it. Because my mother believed in opportunities. She believed in second opportunities. And they uh, remember when Francisco, he said, you know, why I, I don't deserve that opportunity, you know? And... So we, we did each other the we did each other the opportunity you know and here we are uh, almost forty six years after I'm not going to tell you that everything has been roses no because uh, two people two different people uh, getting together and the Bible says to become one uh, what what is the success of this marriage again the bigger picture love. Because of love, I'm, I'm still with my husband. Because of love, I care for him. Because of love, I make sure that he's okay. And he does the same thing for me. Okay? And now that we're older, I think we're more mature. And we're seeing life from another perspective. We both work very hard. We try to do the best for our children. We try to provide an education for them. Uh, we try to instill those values that are very important, the pillars of the character of the individuals are the values that they carry with them, okay? And uh, and we made mistakes because there is no book out there that says, here, you have a dummies for parenting. <laughs> no, it's not like that. So because of him, I am here. And I think because of me, he's still here. So we... 
we like to talk, we like to communicate, things are getting better. There was a time that maybe the communication was not the best. And, and also, um, um, I, I think that because we are working and sometimes we work two and three jobs to make uh, financial means uh, meet, you know, and, and to provide the American dream that I, I have some concerns about that, but that probably will be another topic. Um, then we, we, we don't spend the time that we need to spend in the bigger picture. So like I, there was a time that I was working three jobs because I wanted to pay for my daughter's education. So the bigger picture is spending time with your family, even if you're joking around. I mean, we, we sat yesterday here and we were watching movies and joking around. That's a bigger picture for me. Seeing my grandchildren laughing, seeing them achieving, accomplishing things, you know, that's the bigger picture for me, you know? That's what really has meaning in my life. It's nothing about a house. It's nothing about a car. It's nothing about the last um, gadget out there. It has nothing to do. Now, I'm going to be frank with you. Uh, my mother used to say, a nadie le amarga un dulce. So with that being said, I'm not saying that as a woman, I don't like certain things. But they're not my bigger picture. Definitely not. My bigger picture is you that are listening right now. My bigger picture is you that is giving Frankie and I the opportunity to give you from the bottom of our hearts what we feel. And my bigger picture is the opportunity right now at this moment sharing what I feel in my heart with you. So <laughs> um, it, it's hard to uh, come behind that. Uh, so I, I've, I've always talked highly of my parents. It's not, you know, anybody that knows me um, knows that I, I give you a backdrop of where I come from so you understand who I am. So when I say something or I, or I act a certain kind of way, you're not surprised or baffled by it because you understand where I come from. So uh, we covered uh, the loss, you know, growing up, your childhood. Huh? Okay, we can talk about that. So, yeah, so... Um, it's two. It's two. Two folds in that story as well. So she mentioned cancer. So at one point, my dad had colon cancer, and then at one point, my mom had breast cancer. Not at the same time in a spread out period, but it it, it was relevant, you know. So um, she wants to talk about it. So go ahead, ma. Talk about it. So um, there was a time in, in my life that uh, after Frankie. Uh, I lost a brother to brain cancer, and I, at the same time that my brother was diagnosed with cancer, my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer, so I was in the middle of that situation, and unfortunately, I couldn't attend to my brother's funeral because I was attending to my husband, who was recuperating from his surgery. And about three or four years after, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I, and I remember, and again, and this is a bigger picture, that... My husband couldn't go with me, but my sister, the one that is recuperating in intensive care right now, um, went with me. And I remember that the doctor says to me, I have, a bad, I have good news and bad news. What do you want me to tell you? I said, well, girl, give me the bad news so that the good news can 
make me feel better. <laughs> so she said, well, you have cancer, breast cancer, uh, but uh, we got it on time and we're going we're gonna to fight this. I said, well, let's go. And I remember my sister grabbed my hand and, um, and, and hold my hand tight because that's the bigger picture, to give support to your loved ones when they need it. So I went home and I said, wow, cancer. I mean, nobody wants to hear cancer. You, they, they associate cancer with that. It's like synonymous, you know? So I remember I went to my house and my daughter, Marie Belize, was waiting for me. And she's sitting in the, stair, in the stairs, mm -hmm. going up to the house, to the second floor. And she says, mommy, what happened? And I said, come on, let, let's talk. And when I said that to her, she started crying. I guess she already knew that I was going to say something to her. And she began to cry. I said, no, mommy, but why you, mommy? Why this is happening to you? I said, mommy, why not? If it happens to other people, it could happen to me. So I sat her down, and, and we talked, and I said, listen, the good thing is that they, took it, they got it on time, and we're going to fight this. Uh, but I want you to know something. I am already a winner. And I am a winner because I know who I have trusted, okay? And regardless of what happened, Mary, I am already a winner because I know where I'm going. So we want to fight for this. And I took a very serious, proactive attitude. I bought books. I changed my diet. I bought juicers. Um, I did everything that I did. I, I went... 40 radiation treatments, and I was absent only one day from my job. The bigger picture, all my students. I used to go to my job. Do you think I was thinking about that at 4 o'clock I have to go in therapy? No, I got so involved helping these children. They were my bigger picture. They really helped me in the process. My family, my children, uh, my sister-in-law. I used to come from the therapy, and she used to have my... My salmon, my vegetable, and my my natural juice, and I used to eat all of that and straight to bed because I was exhausted. So, the support of the family, the support of the friend, even from my students that they didn't know what I was going through because they did not need to know, uh, it is a bigger picture. Somebody said one time. Oh, but some people did it, but they not they were not obligated to do it. I said, no, that's where you're wrong. They didn't do it because they were obligated. They did it because of love and compassion and understanding. That's the bigger picture. So now, growing up, you raised me and Mari, and Brenda was there, obviously. Yes. Um, <laughs> so let's look at the bigger picture when you got the phone call that you know Serena was pregnant uh uh with Sharice and now your 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 17 year old son was going to be a father uh <laughs> now I remember it very differently I had a great weekend that weekend I'm not going to go into details on this but um uh you was at the Poconos and, and with Mari and Papi and you guys come back I tell you that Denise called you or came looking for you and you call her and uh <laughs> that, okay. So let's let's pick up from the phone call, you know. <laughs> okay. So he 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 told me that he needs to speak to you. I said okay. 
So I called her and of course she she was very cordial with me and and then she says, well, um, I, I just want you to know that Serena is pre is pregnant and there is a pro probability that Frankie is the father. And I said, excuse me, probability, what that means? And she says, no, there is another young man involved in the situation. Wow, I, I think they throw a bucket of cold water all over my body. I was upset with Frankie. Uh, I never expected that from him. Uh, I needed time to digest the, the situation. Um, and I think, I don't recall exactly, but I think for about two weeks I was kind of cold with him and indifferent. But Frankie, this young man here, is a very sentimental, sensitive uh, with great feelings, and I remember that one day uh, he walked walk into the dining room and he says, I don't know what hurts me more, Mom, uh, if the fact that Serena lied to me or that you're not talking to me. And that really did it. That really touched my heart and my tears were coming down, and I asked him to forgive me, and I said, but, you know, I, you have to understand that this is very, very hard for me. This is uh, it's going to change a lot of things. And uh, I said, but we got this. You you still have my support. And, and we took it from there. I mean, I even, I, I even decorated, uh, because I used to have a party supply store. And Serena was going to have a baby shower. And I even decorated um, a share for her. And, and, and I did some souvenirs. And and we sent uh, a gift, and at that point, uh, we needed to wait and find out who was the father of, of, of Charisse. Uh, but um, the bigger picture, <laughs> the bigger picture is that my son needed my support, and because I was letting my feelings of anger or maybe disappointment, I was not offering that support to him and, and I needed to do that. And and he knows that we did. We we we're still supporting him with Charis to these days <laughs> in different ways. Oh. <laughs> my pleasure, my beautiful granddaughter, I love her. Um uh, my grandkids are like angels. They are sunshines in my life. I told I tell them my princess and my prince and, and, and I told them, listen, I have a kingdom. And you are part of my kingdom. Uh, they are precious to me, and I love them. And I have learned to accept people for who they are. And at this point, I just, whatever I cannot, I, I, there is nothing that I can change. I can give you some kind of advice or suggestions or helping you reflect about certain situations. But ultimately, you have to come to senses and own whatever you're going through and turn that little mistake or um, darkness in your life into something positive. And if you can do that, you'll be okay. And like I said the other day to, to Frankie and Maribelie, success is not about, you know, oh, but I have never failed. No, I'm, I'm a total success, you know, never fail. It's not about you not Failing is about you failing and rising up to the occasion again. And that's the bigger picture. You know, when you put your efforts 
to do the best that you can and you concentrate on what is really meaningful to you. And as long as you're doing that, you're going to find some happiness within yourself because you're doing what you want to do. You know? Um, so Frankie joined the Navy. Uh, <laughs> we had a big celebration in my house. Maybe one day we can find pictures and, and put it. And, 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 and the bigger picture, um, my neighbors, families, friends came to my house and each and one of them made, made a wish for Frankie. You know, they, they were able to express their feelings about him, uh, wish him well, and we had a great celebration. It was really great. He joined the Navy, uh, and when he, when it was time for him to leave boot camp, we went uh, and joined him. His girlfriend at the time, and uh, <laughs> a, and we we have been involved. Uh, Serena is Shari's uh, mother, and I to me she's my family, you know, uh, and I love her, and uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, always at all time allow my husband and I and my family be a part of Shari's, and for that I will be eternally grateful. Uh, I'm glad that me and her were able to share many things. We probably didn't agree all the time, but we have always been able to communicate with each other with love and respect. And uh, and I hope that we continue to do that. And then later on, so he met Nikki, um, uh, Nicole, and uh, so I, Nicole says that I'm the best mother mother-in-law in the world and, <laughs> and I'm not so sure about that but you know we, we have great communication we have a lot of respect for one another and I love Nicole for what she is and that's a bigger picture so you you um the the relationships the marriage the the adversity the um, your own adversities as a child uh, your own, um, I guess, obstacles, you know, between the passing of Tio, Tio Pablito. Um, it, it's a lot that she's not telling. Like, for example, when she came to visit my grandfather and they were getting ready to reestablish this relationship, she's 21, or, and she comes to visit him in Northern Virginia, Alexandria, around there, and he's married now, has two children, um, and she's talking to Doña Pacuala and she's telling her, you know, oh, if you think that I'm hysterical and funny, wait until you meet, you know, my siblings, you meet Kana. And she goes, oh, your mom remarried. And my mom says, no, my mom never remarried. He has five other kids with my mother. So he um, he never, he didn't, obviously he didn't tell her about his children. So it, it, you know, my mom was upset because it was disappointing. You know, I hear I come to establish a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. I come to uh, uh, re- uh, engage in that father-daughter moment and you can't even acknowledge my siblings, you know, and imagine how his wife at the time felt mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I'm, I have your daughter here, you have two kids with me, and we still don't know that you have five other kids with, with the mother, you know? Um, so it, it's it's very difficult when, when, when we talk about the bigger picture, and I, I think forgiveness is something that I, I, I learned, and I remember asking her... <clears throat> 
when my grandmother, because my grandfather would come around, and I, to me, um, I say I had one grandfather. That's my father's father. Uh, if we're gonna go to what's an example of a man should be, um, that's who I would go to. You know, there was my Francisco, then my father, which is Francisco as well, and then me. And that's who I consider my grandfather because of what I saw. He, the other one wasn't around. He didn't send birthday cards. Or actually, his wife, an ex-wife, would send me more holiday cards, birthday cards <laughs> than he did. You know, but um, so my grandmother's there in the bed. You know, she's been out the hospital, um, and he comes over to visit with his new wife, and he would come and sit down and talk with her. And I, I remember asking you. Um, how, uh, uh, like, how, how does she do it? You know, and and my mom said that basically she forgave him because my grandmother forgave him, and my grandmother was the bigger person in that if in that equation. Um, and I, I guess the bigger picture for her probably was family. You know, at the end of the day, is having peace in themselves. To, but I would say hurting people hurt people, yeah. and. I felt my grandmother wasn't hurt no more. She was healed, and that's why she was able to have him over there. Yeah. So, I, I I would say yes to that, and but I also I I will say that there was a sense of di dignity and self respect. My mother, um, well, so as I was growing up, my mother never spoke negatively about my father. She always tried to. Um, she she would say to us, well, your father suffered a lot when he was a child. He technically was left alone with aunts in Puerto Rico because uh, his mother uh, moved to New York looking for something better, something different, which he accomplished, by the way. And, uh, and then, oh, no, your father was a uh, prisoner of war. Prisoner of war. Uh, which he was during the Korean and War. I learned recently that he was awarded the, the Purple Heart. Heart. Oh wow, that's dope. Yes. They know that. Yeah. Um, so she she looked for him. He, she tried to find where he was at. She wrote to the Red Cross, boat uh, registers. Mm -hmm. uh, she she looked everywhere, but she couldn't find. Him. She even wrote to the Social Security and sent different letters, uh, the same letter uh, in different em envelopes ad addressed to Pablo Torres so that Social Security could send it out to all the Pablo Torres that they knew. And anyway, she did She did look for him. So she, she thought that my father lost his mind and that he was not well. And, and that's what I learned from her, you know? So I think when he went... And I remember that he he tried to approach her and to give her a hug, and my mother extended her hands for a handshake, because I think at that point, you know, I the past is the past. Many years have gone by, and you're here in my daughter's house, and I have nothing to. I I, I I'm already over that. You understand? So and he went to the house a few times and. We welcomed his other um, wife, which was, I think, a younger, if yeah, you're younger, was younger than me. Yeah. Hello. Anyway, <laughs> um, but even him, even him, you know, I, 
Uh, at one point, he's, he called me, and I guess he was had a couple of drinks, and he tried to get out of pocket, wrong person. Um, and he tried to implicate that my mother didn't want to follow him because she wants to be with her mother. And I stopped him right away, and I said, listen, I'm, I'm just going to make certain things very clear to you if you want us to move forward with this relationship. First of all, there is nothing bad or good that you can say about my mother that you can change what I feel and I know about her. Your loss was my gain. I, that woman, if I am who I am today, is because she helped me to be where I am right now. And if you want to continue with my relationship, first of all, you should thank her. Because if I'm talking to you right now, it's because of the values that she instilled on me. And secondly, because she never said anything negative about you. She never said anything bad about you. She never put in our heads negative things, never. So because of her, I am talking to you today. And if you want me to continue talking to you, don't you ever, ever again try to say anything negative about my mother because I am going to bury you and you're going to bury me and that will be the end of the relationship and I was 22 when I had that conversation and we have plenty of time to engage and we did develop a relationship and I felt horrible when my father died because I was um, it was two days after my breast cancer surgery and I couldn't travel so I did have the opportunity to build a relationship, and I think he understood my position and how I felt about certain things. So, but we did have a good relationship. I used to go and visit him in, in Daytona Beach in Florida, and, and we welcomed him back into the family, technically, thanks to my mother, the bigger picture. And, you know, to me... Uh that's, that's important, right? Um, I was watching church service last Sunday, and the preacher was talking about uh, how he graduated from high school in 79, and he never took a picture with his dad because his dad, I guess, wasn't in the picture. So he didn't take a picture with his dad at graduation, and then his dad died December 79. So he said that graduation was always, that June time frame where people are graduating from high school or college was always rough for him because he never got a chance to take a picture with his father. And he didn't because of what his mom used to put in his head as he was growing up. So he, he kind of called out the women at that time and said that if you're stopped that and stop you talking bad about the father in front of the child, because what you're doing is creating a separation. Um, and then the kid doesn't want nothing to do with the father. And then they lose out on those moments that they could have had. Um, and then, you know, when I went on live, I posed the question of, would you rather have had money as a money or monetary value or a man that can't be monetary, he can't give you money, but he can be present. Um, I look at my, my, my mom's situation, my grandfather, my mom always says that at 17, I did more than what he ever did for her, for Sharice, right? It's an example. So I say that, and I'm glad she brought that up because I didn't know my grandmother never spoke bad about him. I just knew that she just, were, I just assumed that my grandmother said you left or we're done so I don't have to speak about you. But she never spoke bad about him. Um, and I'm just finding out that he won a Purple Heart. I didn't know that either. Uh, I think that that's important, and I'm glad she said it, because I think a lot of women out there, again, hurting people hurt people. 
and it becomes a cycle in 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 life when you know like your mother was bitter not my grandmother but in scenarios the mom is bitter because the dad moved on so i'm gonna talk trash about the family and i'm gonna keep that separation between the child and the father and the family because i'm gonna make it look like you know if, they, if he forgot about you and then that person passes on to the next person and becomes a generational cycle of of hurt right and i think that my grandmother as much as she could have um say a lot she she said less and 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 showed more grace than needed and i wasn't around obviously for when she was growing up but i was around for when he came back around and um you know i i think for 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 in my opinion a lot of stuff he did was because he needed forgiveness for his sins uh, atonement um and he needed her to forgive him um and that's why he was coming around it was maybe selfish reasons uh, uh, maybe he healed from what he went through being a prisoner of war, uh, um, his own damage mentally and emotionally that he now came around because he's seeing the value of what he had. You know, I, I don't know, but, um, if I can interject, yeah, go ahead, ma. um, so what is the bigger picture when it comes to my father? Um, another bigger picture is that I have three other siblings and they're my siblings. And I love them. One of them passed away two years ago before Thanksgiving. My sister Grace, rest in peace. And I have a brother. His name is Carlos, and I love him dearly. And I have another brother. His name is Pablo, who I love dearly. And in the middle of all the dev devastation that happened and the suffering that my mother went through, they are the bigger picture. And the opportunity that regardless of the circumstances, I can openly and freely say that I have a relationship with them. And thank God for that. Carlos, Grace, and Pablo are the bigger picture. So um, a friend of mine that I was recruiting, he said, uh, Franco, I, I might have missed it. Uh, was your mother born in Puerto Rico? And if so... Why New York? As you know, I'm Puerto Rican as well, and I have a lot of family in New York, but it seems like a large majority of Puerto Ricans live in New York. Help me see the bigger picture, please. So I, I think um, before I let her answer, because uh, she already said why. So she came to New York because my dad was in New York. That's that's how she ended up there. Um, but I think that the reason there's a lot of New York Puerto Ricans in New York is because we tend to migrate where people are at where our own people are at, the culture. Um, if you look at New York City as a whole, and especially in the Bronx, you have a lot of Puerto Ricans there and a lot of uh, uh, black families. We're, we're, New York itself, Sean, is a, it's a melting pot. Um, you can be Puerto Rican and grow up with a West Indian family next to you, and now you're West Indian and Puerto Rican because you, you learned it. Um, you could, like for me, for example, uh, I had West Indian friends. I had regular you know, black friends and I had Hispanic friends and Dominicans and all that. And we all grow up together, but that's how she ended up in New York. And that's like a lot of Puerto Ricans ended up in New York. They, Oh, where are you moving to? Oh, I'm living in the Bronx and in, in the South Bronx, not knowing that the South Bronx was the pit of poverty, <laughs> drug infections, <laughs> prostitution, uh, teenage pregnancies, high dropout rate, but coming from Puerto Rico, they don't know no better. Back then, there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. There was no Google. There was no YouTube. Mira, bando a Pasul del Bronx en Nueva York, pa' vamos. And they go there, and they migrate. 
uh, like anything else. And they, they're living and they be create a culture. You know, they create a neighborhood uh, where, where people live. Um, just like when they were going to Florida, you, we went to Poinciana. There was a lot of Puerto Ricans there. You go to you go to Walmart. Walmart was playing salsa over the 1MC. <laughs> it was crazy because you know how you go to Virginia. And I'm in Virginia now. And you go to Walmart, they have a Hispanic section, right? But in that Walmart, they had a white section. <laughs> Everything else was minority driven except that one section was white. So it's just that's how that's how they I mean, that's how we end up in New York. But she can tell you more and from her aspect, you know, coming over to New York. So um, I I went to New York because um, my my boyfriend, Frankie's father, my husband today was in New York and I decided to go and see how it was the environment. And also I wanted to meet one of my mother's older brother, actually her older brother. And um, so I decided to stay and um, I started looking for a job. Um, I found a job and then I found another one. And we, I started planning my wedding with Francisco, my husband. Uh, and then, yes, there was a lot of Hispanic, Puerto Ricans, the majority. So in a way, I felt like at home and I went to work my first job um, Professionally, was at an agency named the Puerto Rican Agency, <laughs> Puerto Rican Family Institute, and uh, and I then Frankie came and I became a mom and uh, and I stood in New York. Uh, I did my career, went back to school at Fordham University, became a a, a, a licensed um, social worker. I was um, I specialized in individuals and family therapy and crisis response, and and I when I opened my eyes, I, I was doing my life there until recently that I retired and uh, I decided to move to Florida. Um, that. The South Bronx is, if I'm not mistaken, is considered one of the poorest congressional districts of the United yes. States. And that, that's where I work my entire life. And I am thankful and grateful. Because regardless of the fact that maybe there was drug infestation and many other things in that society doesn't approve, I never look at my clients as drug addicts or anything else. I look at them as human beings, and I learned a lot from those human beings because everybody has a story. Everybody has a background. Everybody has gone through circumstances. And, and I'm going to tell you, and you guys probably watch TV and you have read books, a lot of these uh, serial criminals or people who are today incarcerated, they go back to their childhood. They go back to the circumstances that they grew up. And, 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 and again, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood, and I tried to rise to the occasion, but not everybody responds the same way. Behavior is motivated. There are reasons nobody chose to do things because they feel like it. Uh, there is always a reason. There is always an antecedent. There is always a trigger. Okay? And again, um, Yes, um, there were a lot of Puerto Rican. I felt like I was, you know, the salsa, the culture, the food, going to the cuchifritos, uh, make me stay there. And then because I wanted to serve 
the community in general, yeah. not only Puerto Ricans, but in general. In my, in my office, I never saw colors. I always saw a child. So I, I want to touch a little bit on the culture, right? Um, I was uh, doing, I was on the FAF, and we was doing cleaning stations Christmas Eve. So um, even though I wasn't born in Puerto Rico and I wasn't raised in Puerto Rico, uh, he said, thank you, Ma. Um, You're welcome. I was blessed to grow up with the culture in our family. Um, being that I, my parents come from there, it's like when they came here, they continued... Uh, the, the, they continued the, the 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 culture. They continued the tradition. Is what I want to say. Um, no, hold on, give me a second. I'm trying to get my log on the Zoom. They want my mom to speak on something. And I think that it'd be dope if she gets on with us as one of the panelists and ask her herself. So let's see. But yeah, so um, we the memories that that I had growing up. The, so the, the the kid is from Puerto Rico. So obviously his accent is very different than mine. In Spanish, and he's like, "Well, you know, you speak Spanish well, and you know a lot about the culture because I was playing Aguinaldos, and that's what I grew up on. You know, I, I remember that, and even to this day, I get nostalgic because I, there's a lot of memories there. You know, back then we didn't have cell phones. You know, we didn't have none of these distractions, so we were forced to be kids. You know, me and my cousins would play, the family would get dressed up, we would get we would put on suits and dresses and." To go nowhere. We would go to the living room, you know what I mean? But then we would, then like, I tell people, my dad, and them, they're like, at, at midnight, like, vamos pa Brooklyn, a ver, let's go to Brooklyn and see me, Sayan. And we're little kids. You know, we don't know no better. We're thinking, oh, Brooklyn, Rosita, you know, Jolie, Marinita, we're going to go see him. And then, you know, uh, uh, at 12 in the morning, they're in the car. We're driving to Brooklyn from the Bronx, from the South Bronx, and in the snow, because back then it snowed more than it does now. And and we're there from like 1 in the morning till 5, 6 in the morning, uh, doing what they call a paranda, listening to music. My mom would sing. My dad would play instrument. My uncle would play. Tio Edwin would be on the on, on guido, you know what I'm saying, losing his beat at one point or another because after a while, you, the drinks take control, and you're like, oh, my God. What's happening But that's the family That's the culture right um, And the kids like So you, you're so familiar with How it is in Puerto Rico And I said because I grew up Even though I didn't grow up in Puerto Rico I had the culture in my house You know And, and that's some of the things that I miss La bandera to, La bandera yeah, To me That's the bigger picture You know it's, it's culture It's understanding who I am And where I come from To, to be able to pass that on to my kids And, and even though we don't you know, my kids don't speak Spanish here in the house, but they know the Spanish music. We, we've played it. Um, one of my biggest uh, goals would be to one day have that in Puerto Rico for them with my parents and enjoy it because obviously the culture is important to me is their identity. So to me, that's part of the bigger picture as well. Uh, um, giving us that. Uh, um, I think a lot of us get lost when we don't have that. We don't know who we are. And, and we and we judge. My mom said it. Everybody's guilty of judging people. I think I judge people at times too. When you're like, "Oh, well, I'm Puerto Rican, but I don't identify as that," and I'm like, "Well, what, what the hell's wrong with you? You don't identify as what? You you got to be proud of that, you know." Um, and I had to sometimes step back and say, "Well, tell me why you don't identify." You know, like how to understand it. You know. Um, so I think Maria wrote up there, right? Because I was trying to get... To, actually, she texted me. So let's see what Maria says. I didn't know there was another site. I'm sorry. Sure. Do, uh, okay, I do have a link, Maria. Give me a second, and I'm going to send you... I don't know. See, 
Maria and Josie, you're part of my bigger picture too. You see, look at that. She's giving you life. Hold on, Maria. Let me get it for you. Um, oh, it disappeared. It's on the Facebook. It's actually the link's on the Facebook, Maria. It's it's on there. Um, if you go to the, the 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 actual thing, it's on there. But anyways, um, so I'm gonna read the question. It says, "Can you speak a little about changing our mindset or continuing to work on ourselves? Hurt people do hurt people. Please talk to us about breaking the cycle." How do you find the strength to oh wait a minute? How do you find the strength to get past the anger? I think that when we get better at finding the strength, we can build better generations to come. So there you go. I'm gonna try to get her on. While you while you do that, I'll 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 try to get her on with us um here. Maria, um like I mentioned before, you and, and Jocelyn Bermudez are part of my bigger picture. Anger. Well, anger is an emotion like we all know, right? And I feel that anger can be detrimental or it could be constructive. It depends because great movement has been created because a bunch of people were angry and, and demanded and wanted changes. Right? So that would be something positive. So I, I always used to tell my kids the ABC of anger. So the A stands for anger, the B for behavior, and C for consequences. So the anger is the emotion, and it's an, it's an emotion, and we all feel angry. But it's an emotion that we need to learn how to control. Because if we don't use it, and we don't channel that anger in a positive manner or way, then we could be in serious trouble. Because of the anger, we can manifest certain type of behavior, and depending on the behavior are going to be the consequences. So I think giving yourself time, breathe in and breathe out, and say to yourself, I'm angry right now. Is it worthy for me to be angry? Is it worthy the reason why I'm angry? If I do this, can I hurt myself? Can I hurt somebody else? And if I do it, what are going to be the consequences? Am I ready to pay for the, those consequences? Or is it better if I walk away, take my time, look for a better opportunity to address those anger uh, issues? The thing is that under anger, we can say and do things that we can regret later on. We all have, and it, and it hurts. It hurts more because you cannot take it back. It's not easy, but what will be the bigger picture? So. Let me tell you a little story. I like to tell story. I, I, there was a time in my life that I was doing ceramics, and I was very, very involved in ceramics. And, uh, and I love doing it because art and, and craft is my therapy. That's my outlet. And Josie and I are in the cricket business now. So with that being said, I have a very good friend. and We were together in the ceramic. We, we were a group of women, like three, five or six women. And we became closer and we shared the ceramics and the art and the techniques, etc. This particular friend, um, we welcomed her in the family, we welcomed her child, her child was one year old, I used, my mother and I used to take care of the child. But there was another friend that apparently uh, began to spread certain rumors about, you know, the he said, she said stuff. And 
And it seems like this other fr um, friend was telling my friend with the child that that I was bragging about certain things, that I used to do the eyes in a very nice way, very, they look really alive. And, and there was another woman who used to do the same thing. So we were good at that. The point is that my friend with the child comes to my house and she is questioning me about certain things that she heard from this other person. And here comes the bigger picture. So I look at her, I was sitting in my, my dining room and I had a piece of, um, it, it was a doll that I was painting in ceramics. And I said, what is it that you're talking about? Are you talking about this piece of porcelain or, or you're talking about our, our friendship? Because I need to be clear on that before I answer you. No, you know, she said that you said this, that. It was about the ceramic. So I took the doll. I remember I, I threw it against the wall, and it just broke into pieces. I said, you see what that ceramic is? It's just pieces. It's garbage right now. But my friendship with you is not. So if the ceramic is going to become an obstacle between you and me, then I'd rather separate the ceramics from you and I because your friendship is too important to me, the bigger picture. So if I would have followed what she said, maybe we would have ended up um, arguing and we were not going to save our friendship. And I'm going to tell you that young lady was one of the person that I called last night. She's a, a pastor now, and I asked her to pray for my sister, Kana. So we saved the friendship. So we need to pick the battles. We need to select what is important. We need to put things on a balance and say, okay, this is the good things. These are the bad things. Guess what? The side of the good thing is going up and the side of the bad things is going low. So what are you going to choose? What is really meaningful? What is really important? You know, what what do you want to do? You want to build or you want to destroy? Do you want to convince people that there is, <laughs> there is another day, there is another opportunity, that tomorrow will be your today? Or you want to dig a hole and, and, and dig a hole and dig a hole and, no, and make no effort to come to the surface? So it's about looking at the situation and saying, how can I handle this situation? How can I make it better? If, if, if I'm having a difficulty with my, with my family member, what is it that I want to do? Do I want to save that relationship? Or want, I want to destroy that relationship? No, because you're wrong. No, because you know. No, what is it? Somebody has to be responsible and mature. However, with that being said, I have to say that sometimes... Uh, my mother used to say, you can take the cow to the, to the river, but the cow has to do her job. She had to open the mouth and drink the water. So what I'm saying to you guys is that sometimes people, the, other, the other person needs to be receptive and open and has to recognize, you know what, we need to have this conversation. You know, My son in one occasion shared with me a, a situation uh, that had to do with her older daughter and I said to him, you need to have a conversation. 
And he did. He had a conversation. And I had a conversation with her. Because the point is to build. If I'm going to use my words, let my words be constructed. But if I'm going to open my mouth to say something that is going to be derogatory and that is going to hurt and is going to cause pain, then I'd rather be in silence. So anger is a feeling that we have to acknowledge and we have to decide what is, how, how I'm going to behave when I'm angry. And if the behavior that you're choosing is actually resolving the problem or is making the problem bigger. Um, I don't know if, Maria, that answered your question, but uh, it's about loving and building and controlling ourselves for the good of us and the good of others. So Maria is actually on Zoom with us. She's a panelist. So do you want to comment, Maria, or you're good? Yes. I just, hi, mom. I love you. I love you. <laughs> no, I just, I wanted to ask that question because when you guys brought that up, I said, that's a really good point, but that's a cycle that we have to learn how to break, right? Because you're, I think a lot of people aren't blessed to have you in their life or someone left in their life, you know? So when we come across someone like you, we learn how to channel what we currently have on and knowing how to continue to channel positive energy you give off. So in that way, we can continue in our own families and so on and so forth. And that's how we break that cycle and overcome these obstacles. So that's why I asked that question. Since we have you on, we might as well take advantage of what you have to offer and everything that you can share. So, Maria, um, thank you for answering the question. But let me, let, me, let me share something with you. God makes no mistakes. And I still remember the day that I met you. I remember that young lady, enthusiastic that walk into my office and I was blessed and I'm still being blessed by you. And thank you so much. And I thank God for giving me the opportunity to build this relationship with you. Thank you so much. You're the bigger thank picture. I, you, uh, for me, I, I think, um, you said hurting people hurt people. Um, I t- me and Nikki was talking, and, and anybody that knows me, I'm very open about my relationship with my wife. We were separated for five years. I take, I'll take i take 95% of the blame, right, because I was uh, um, always in these streets doing what I wanted to do. And I give her 5%. As a man, I'll take the hit. But in some relationships, you can't discuss certain topics, right? You, you, you can't touch um, something that happened because you're still not really over it. So the minute the person mentions it, 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 it becomes real again and the, all those emotions come back. And then one day me and Nikki were sitting here and we're talking and we're joking about the past. And I said, that's be, we, we, somebody asked me, how can you do that and not get into an argument? Because if it was me and my old lady, it'd be a problem. And I said, that's because you're not over it. When you've accepted something and you've gotten over it, you tend to be able to talk about it. You can joke about it. You can, you can always touch that topic and it's never going to bring up an old emotion, or old feelings because you are over it, you know? And I think that's very key in moving on with anything is that we cannot harbor it. We can't compartmentalize it and hide it. And because what happens is when somebody triggers it, it comes up. So it might not be that person that hurt you. It could be the next person that you're with that you love. And then you're like, Oh my God, I'm happy we met. And he, maybe he turns his phone upside down and that just triggers 
an old emotion. You're like, oh my God, you know, why you got your phone upside down? That's what my ex used to do. And it's like, yo, hold on, relax. Maybe he just forgot and put it upside down. So I think that's very important, like she said, to to talk and 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 confront your issues. I've I've talked about it on my podcast. Is you you gotta, you know, confront those feelings because you can only run from them so long. They're gonna come out anyway. So I think that's dope. Um, Maria, you want to say anything since you're on? I wish the camera was on. I, I, could, I thought I hit the option to have the camera on for you so we can see you, but obviously I didn't. I'm, I'm still learning this. So, Maria, we share a lot of bigger pictures at, at IS-162. You know, the unsung heroes, the ones that do so many things for others without expecting anything back. Amen. Amen. I do want to say one thing. I'm going to give you an idea for another podcast. I don't know how long this Frankie, but I'm going to give you an idea. Um, you said that we have we have to, and you're right, if things continue to come on, you never really, you never really work, right? But it's to figuring out how to. Like, it's not easy to work and just say, okay, I'm over it. Maybe, what is it? So a big thing in our community is, we see herpes and all that stuff as as you do right. You're weak if you do it. What are certain things that can be done in order to quote unquote get over it or um, heal? Because you know, as long as we continue to go, um, we're never truly going to heal. So maybe learning and what can be done in order to improve for the next generations to come. Well, I think um, that, that is that's probably another episode. Yeah, definitely. Maybe one you could join me on, and we could talk about it. Um, is a, there's a lot of things I would like to do moving forward um, to capitalize what I what I have here, um, and one of them is I think is self healing, uh, self esteem, uh, believing in yourself. I think a lot of people in society and in our culture don't believe in themselves and have that low self esteem. I've been trying to get a panel of women on from different ages to talk about that confidence in themselves. I think a lot of these young women today are so um, they compete with what they see on IG and Snapchat and TikTok that they really don't realize that that's all fake anyways. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you got to believe in yourself and what you have to offer before you go out there and try to change your whole situation to meet something else, a criteria or a statue in society. So yeah, that's definitely something we can talk about. I'll be willing to um, maybe talk with you offline and then set that up. And obviously, you know, I got the whole setup so we can get on together and, and do it. Um, how does that sound to you? Good. You already got the number. Give me a call. <laughs> okay. I will. So look, um, I'm going to wrap it up now because uh, it's been going on for like an hour and 30 minutes and you know obviously I don't want people being watching a YouTube video or a podcast listening to a podcast for that long um, attention spans you know sometimes go past they don't go past the hour so I don't want you listening and then forget what you're listening to um, before I close it out I'm gonna leave it to my mom and see if she has anything she wants to say before we close out well I, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity uh, it's been great um, I think it's uh, technology is amazing and this is another vehicle that we can use to communicate with others and open the doors for others to communicate with us. Thank you for the opportunity and 
sometime near the future, I'm going to write that book. The title will be The Bigger Picture, and I hope you can buy my book one day. <laughs> you have a wonderful evening, and be blessed as I am being blessed today. The I can't beat that, so I'm going to try. Um, no, you know what? This was very special for me. I was actually looking forward to it all day um, to have my mother here and be able to get on here. A lot of people say, well, Frank, how do you get this knowledge or how do you be able to talk about things and understand? And I tell people, I think I missed my calling. I think I should have been a social worker or a psychologist. I, I didn't see the bigger picture then, right? Um, but here I am at 41, about to retire from the Navy, and I'm thinking like, oh, my God, that's that's my calling. I should have did it. Um, I've been blessed. I was very blessed to be born into a loving family. Um, you, we, we, as kids, we don't pick who we're born into. We, we're just born, and that's what it is. And I was blessed. Um, my mom said a lot and shared a lot. Um, it wasn't always roses, and, 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 and it wasn't always great. Um, but my parents, because my dad is part of that, has always... Um, I don't know, man. Like they, they've made it. Like I said, necessities were met. Wants were were something different, and um, I was blessed. I, I was, I was. I can't even uh, begin to go into detail about it. Uh, I, I was able to to. I wanted her to do this, not because of the bigger picture. That that's dope to plug it in, but I wanted to give it perspective as to where I come from and who I am. And why I am the way I am, you know, um, I sometimes fight because, you know, as a male, I want to be like my dad. I want to be so much like my dad. And then um, recently I've, I've come to expect, accept that I'm more like my mom. And there's nothing wrong with that, because I think deep down inside, I still have some of my father's traits. But my compassion, the willing to listen, uh, taking on other people's stressors, uh, Always willing to give advice, uh, being that caring person. Yes, that's my mom. Um, so I wanted the people that do follow me and my friends and on Facebook and other so to see and understand why I am the way I am. So um, thank you for giving me this opportunity to be here and do this. And uh, I look forward to uh, doing an episode with Maria and discussing this topic that she would like to discuss. I'm open for anything. And again, thank you for listening to Frank's Unsolicited Advice. Uh, tune in for more. Recording stopped. <laughs>